Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the leftist podcast dedicated to the reevaluation of your favorite crappy films. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. You know, I love Elon Musk. Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> he's a he's an innovator. He's a he's a shit poster extraordinaire. Um and he wants to go to Mars. Yeah. You know, there's another um you know, extraordinaire entrepreneur, uh, maverick, you could say, who wants to go to Mars. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Jeff Bezos. He's also <laughs> cool. A big fan of him as well. Yeah, the guy rocks. Um, I, I, I love what he's done for the world. Um, I like that he eats repti- like reptiles and shit. Oh yeah, I like mm-hmm. yeah, that <laughs> I like giant that like monitor lizard he ate. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. This is what he does uh, for he himself, w- right? I mean, like that's what we're here on this earth to do: things for ourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. make money uh, for ourselves and maybe our family but i don't know really who cares like you know when you have a mistress who needs a wife um folks where <laughs> quarantine brain has <laughs> utterly fried our minds um, uh, this is all relevant we promise um, yeah yeah <laughs> leading, leading, to a, leading up to an apex a point here yes um uh, this week we bring you um from the uh, not too distant future uh what is it june 9th uh 2020 yeah, t- two months from now <laughs> uh brian de palma's mission to mars uh, from the distant past of the year 2000, uh, right. it takes place uh, in, in the, the current year we are in. Yeah, uh, speci- the movie starts specifically on June 6th, 2020. Yes, yes. Amazing. Uh, at a Mission barbecue. Yeah. Um, you know, it should have taken place on like July 4th. It should have been like a July 4th barbecue well maybe not because like it's not really like an american movie it's, it's kind of has like a more cosmopolitan sensibility that's fair yeah that's true um so yeah brian de palma made um the best uh disney park uh attraction movie perhaps i i did not know that until you said that this instant <laughs> Look, I, I will I will stand the first parts of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, I, I have no problem with the second one. I think it's fun. I like David yeah, Jones. The fun. I like mm-hmm. the um just the design of the um you know his crew. And the second one's actually like a pretty ruthless like. It 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 almost like undercuts everything in the first. It, it it's pretty pretty mean spirited in a in a good way. I think. Yeah, I think so. But um, we'll we'll leave that for when we do the Pirates trilogy, like seriously. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, considering the other films that are based on Walt Disney attractions, there's um, the Haunted Mansion Haunted movie Mansion. with uh, Eddie Murphy. Hell yes. Uh, there's the Tomorrowland movie with um, George Clooney, which is kind of yep, just based the, on the whole area of Tomorrowland. Well, isn't that like a like an Ayn Rand like Brad Bird? Yes. Yeah. Objectivist. Like, it is. Wank fest. Yep. Yeah. We got to do that one maybe. The Country Bears. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Country Bears. With the giant animatronic, like, we got to get the band together. They're all the bears. Oh, my God. I forgot together. about that one. And then there's, of yeah. course, uh, not to, you know, mention it again in, in another episode, but Song of the South also arrived. Oh, my Yes. Well, that's, yeah, that's uh, Splash Mountain. Yeah, Splash Mountain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Briar Rabbit and all of those Jesus. guys. Yeah. I guess there's also uh, the, the Disney um, Huck Finn, like oh, Tom, and, Tom and Huck. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tom Sawyer and Huck. Yeah. That's because they, they have like a little like Island of Adventure Tom Sawyer theme thing. Yeah. And I think 
coronavirus has postponed the Jungle Cruise film. Right. They, yeah, yeah, there's the Jungle Cruise film. Right. So. Okay, so Disney's just making all their fucking yeah, rides. They're just, just going through the list. Um, Jesus. They have the Avatar ride in uh, their Animal Kingdom. That, that, that's the wrong order, though, because the. That, like like the idea of like making rides out of movies is is much more common than yes. making movies out of rides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and but now they just make everything a Marvel or a Star Wars ride, right? Like so, Tower yes. of Terror is like a, a Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians thing. of the Galaxy. Yeah. It's it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> wasn't wasn't there a Tower of Terror made for TV movie? Uh, yes, there is actually. That's another one. Yep. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's also a movie. Okay, so, <laughs> so when when we sell out and we take Disney bucks. We're gonna just do all of their movies and, and like rehabilitate them. Like, what we'll, we'll actually be doing this sincerely. Yeah, yeah. We we wouldn't have to rehabilitate this one though. This we don't have to remake this movie. Um, right. Or I guess pirates. Fine. You know, we'll we'll give you all those. But uh, every one of these ones we're remaking. Country Bears is first. We're remaking <laughs> Country Bears first. <laughs> yes. Um. But yeah, Mission to Mars. Um. Came out in two thousand. Directed by Brian De Palma um was yeah it was released by touchstone which is yeah which is disney yeah the adult label basically yeah like, like i hesitate to even use the term adult because that like makes it seem more extreme yeah, it <laughs> yeah it's, it's true like, it's not the nsfw yeah it's like elder disney yeah I guess. yeah elder statesman disney touchstone elder pictures statesman president disney the um, uh the, the the academy fucking uh disney I, well i guess i mean disney's always academy fucking but yeah that's true <laughs> um the music the composer is really interesting um mr ennio morricone himself yes um most notably of the dollars trilogy fame yeah incredible um mm-hmm. i think he's worked with brian de palma before um for what i have no idea but uh <laughs> Maybe he hasn't. <laughs> it's possible, but it's it's a it's match made in heaven. Um, yeah, yeah. He he's still alive, I think. Yeah, too. yeah. He's still alive. Um, he's like a hundred. Yeah, they just wheel him out nowadays just to like bash Quentin Tarantino. Like that's really like that's anytime yeah. he's interviewed, King. he just like King. doesn't. He he had a bad experience with um, Quentin Tarantino. Um, I believe for Django. No, 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 it was hatefully. You're right. It was hatefully. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, he he's he's 91 amazing he better outlive kissinger like th- that let's hope kissinger <laughs> yes. goes first and then anyway well now that you went ahead and said that it's it's not gonna oh happen. yeah damn it <laughs> fuck i take it back um space aliens from this movie i take it back <laughs> uh but this movie does have a somewhat of a star-studded cast um including gary Sin- is it sinise or sinis uh i've heard sinise Sinise, Gary Sinise, Lieutenant Dan, yeah, Lieutenant Dan, most notably, uh, Tim Robbins, um, Babyface Don Cheadle, yes, um, Connie Nielsen, Jerry O'Connell, Peter U- uh, Uter Bridge, uh, oh, Kavan Smith, <laughs> <laughs> not our boy Kevin, no. but Kavan, no, his Eastern European cousin. <laughs> I did post the other day on Twitter, like um, that uh, a panel from that comic that Kevin Smith wrote, where a sexy poison ivy oh gets God. Batman high. Yes, he's like, uh, like, oh, I'm 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 sniffing the air, and I can smell the THC coming through coming through the marijuana plants. 
my favorite panel is the one where like she has like her 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 legs splayed out yes. and she's like kind of on a weird like vine trapeze yes. thing it's just it's incredible yeah oh god kevin uh, anyway kevin smith not kevin not smith kevin is in this movie no. uh also jill teed in armin mueller style which he was uncredited apparently for some reason. Armin Mueller Stahl, who plays uh, Ray Beck, like their commander on the space station. Like, I, why the fuck he was uncredited is absurd to me. This man is, I mean, fairly prolific actor by this time in 2000, but. That's very, <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah. I always get him confused with the landlord from Spider Man 3, but he is not the landlord from yeah. Spider Man 3. <laughs> well, 2 and 3. Yeah, yeah. He's this not. Guy, him. Yeah. He looks very similar, though. That's great. They're not brothers either. I looked it up. <laughs> uh, this movie was a box office success. Yes, barely. Um, barely. It it made 111 million against a budget of 100 million, and Tomato Mirror score was 24 percent for the critics and 30 percent for the audience, which is, yeah, that 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 that's like us. Like that's yeah. what we what, what we shoot for. Oh yeah. It's just, I mean, I don't get it. Besides, like, the ending, maybe people just saw the ending of this movie and they're like, that's weird. But, like, everything before this, the ending is, like, I don't know, cool. Like, it's just cool space shit. Like, what's there not to love? Yeah. I guess maybe, like, it wasn't the time for that in 2000. Um, This is, like, a year after The Matrix. And, like, people with Matrix brain, I can see not responding well to this type of story yeah in, ter- in terms of like science fiction yeah that's fair um this is like uh this is a hope punk movie uh oh yeah 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 it, <laughs> regrettably so but it is like it, it does it well it does that well i love the ending of this movie and we'll talk about it more this later movie, god yeah <laughs> um we have a, a review from our boy rosenbaum yeah uh, in the chicago reader and rosenbaum writes I seem to be in a distinct minority regarding Brian De Palma as a tacky, blowhard, and unimaginative plagiarist. Pauline Kael places him places him above Alfred Hitchcock, who she apparently feels lacked the proper trashy exuberance. And the editors of Cahir du Cinema recently concluded that Carlito's Way was the greatest film of the 90s. But if I had to select a recent De Palma movie that validated my own bias, I'd opt for the, this ludicrous compost of derivative sci-fi and, and insincere soap opera which begins with a spaceship pilfered from 2001, ends with a new age epiphany out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and features a lot of bad acting and celestial choirs in between. There are a few pretty good design effects en route, but not enough to compensate for all the embarrassments. And then in our notes, Lewis has a a fully animated gif of of Trump saying, Run! I mean, he, which is correct. He's just Trump, so Trump wrong. is right. Yeah, Trump Trump's is right. right here. Brian De Palma is wrong. I mean, Brian De Palma is right, and John the Rosenbaum yes. is wrong. Yes. Um. Like I, I get what he's saying. I, I get that. Th- th- this movie is basically the the dumb version of two thousand one. Oh yes. Um. It, it's it's two thousand one plus the Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Like. Just just for the matinee crowd, I guess. Um. But it it does a lot of things very well. It 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 does a lot of things really cool and like in a very specifically BDP manner. Um. Yeah, I don't I don't know I. I I can I can recognize his criticism, but I even as much as I disagree. 
Yeah, I mean, he just, like, I don't know. He has it out for BDP, honestly. I think the only film of Brian De Palma's that he likes is um, Femme Fatale, which is another one that, like, everybody else hates. Um, but, oddly, Jonathan Rosenbaum likes that one. Um, sure. So he he's just he just channeling Armand White for <laughs> Brian De Palma. Yeah, basically. He is Brian De Palma's number one enemy, it seems. <laughs> Um, but like, I don't know. I mean, obviously Pauline Kell's wrong as well. Like Albert Hitchcock is better than yeah. Brian De Palma, but to put it, to put it mildly. Yeah. I mean, Brian De Palma wouldn't exist if there wasn't Albert Hitchcock. Like literally the majority of his filmmaking is just remaking an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Pauline Kale wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Alfred Hitchcock. Also that. Yeah, exactly. So like, come on. I, it's just, it's all crazy. And then the Cahir du Cinema thing, like, really fucks me up because I've watched Carlito's Way and it's like, it's not even the best Brian De Palma film. Like, there's no way it's the best film of the 90s. I just, like, I, I never, I've never understood their decision uh, for Carlito's Way. As everyone knows, the best film of the 90s is 1998's Godzilla, Duh. the American version. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, but to get back to Mission to Mars, um, I guess what's interesting is like we we don't have that much that we don't like about the movie. Um I guess there's some some weird scene transitions and there's some weird editing, but the the weird editing that I'm thinking of, I can circle back to it later, like kind of really redeems the whole like movie as movie as a whole. Okay. Like there there there's some like like we don't see any spaceships taking off. And I guess it's more of a script yeah, thing. Yeah, that's true. But like, like we don't we don't see any spaceships taking off, and we don't, we don't see like anything landing on Mars. But like that kind of emphasizes the 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 longer stretches of time that astronauts have to live in. It it almost makes it feel. It gives it like a greater sense of verisimilitude to, to like these astronauts' lives. I, I think. Yeah, that's true, and it distinguishes itself from other like, you know, space movies that were coming right. out around the same time like apollo 13 you know like that movie's focuses so much on like the entry and re-entry yeah. and all that like, it's like st- stem porn basically yeah whereas like this is just like eh, you know space space really sucks yeah. and space is really terrible and being in space mm-hmm. like seems like the most hellish part of the journey not so much like you know exiting the atmosphere and entering the atmosphere right um but I would say really the only other like loathsome content we have here is so uh, Jerry O'Connell, his character's name is Phil, and there's another character played by Gary Sinise, and Gary's character is named Jim McConnell, which is just confusing for me. Mm-hmm. And Jerry O'Connell should his character should obviously be named Jim McConnell. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't do it. It doesn't matter. You could just change the names. You obviously don't have to change the characters. Jerry O'Connell's character is who Jerry O'Connell should have been playing. And right. Gary Sneeze had to play his character, but just like, I don't switch their names. Didn't matter. Didn't fucking matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess to kick off like the plot breakdown and, and like what we like about, about the movie, um, that trifecta of Sinise, Robbins and Cheadle, um they're kind of the glue that hold the movie together and they their friendship is believable they're like colleagues but they're also friends and um 
all three of them are only ever on screen together at the very beginning yeah. of the movie. Yeah, that's true. Um, at, at the at the opening party when they they're all just like sitting around drinking beers, kind of like excite talking about the upcoming mission. Um, but yeah, no, I I really bought it. Like it, they're different enough that they're they're like distinct characters in like there's this sense that they, they they kind of have like that old like old school nasa like masculine dorkiness right. like this aptitude mm-hmm. for like science and like math but like in a very like gung-ho kind of vascular way um especially like tim robbins i think he he's oh, yeah. the, the guy that sells it like that, that that has that sensibility the most but for all that they're still like distinct people yeah and they're all wife guys as well yes uh. yes they are <laughs> damn and like they're all like different types yeah. of wife guy yeah mm-hmm. uh gary sinise is dead wife guy uh, <laughs> uh his wife died of yep. uh, i don't know cancer i assume i don't remember if they ever say M- movie it. illness yeah movie illness uh don Cheadle is uh wife plus kid guy wife plus kid wife who stays at home guy yeah yeah um and then tim robbins is like um he just work work wife yeah work work wife plus like just my wife is he's he'll always say like his wife is sexy in front of people and that makes people uncomfortable like that's the kind of guy he is (laughs) yeah he um he definitely likes to to show off I, i i think um and he you, you had an also an interesting read on the on the tim robbins character he's like the bizarro musk yes yeah circling back to our wonderful joke at the beginning yes. of the episode see uh, <laughs> we, we, purpose. we thought this one out we we planned it like scientists going to mars <laughs> um yeah so um in in the year 2020 uh june 6 2020 in this film and you know maybe uh in in the future the way uh you know uh car manufacturing is currently going because of the coronavirus crisis um the 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 negative price of oil right now (laughs) the negative price of oil especially um internal combustion engines are kind of a thing of the past and considered like relics Mm -hmm. uh, and most cars are electric cars um or some kind of renewable energy um, maybe hydro carbons or something yeah I don't know. um so uh the film starts at a barbecue uh, because uh they're they're all going to space so this is their farewell barbecue um yeah. gary Sinise- hence, hence your idea of the july 4th instead yes. of june 6th yeah. yeah so i guess it doesn't matter much but like i don't know it's just like for Brian De Palma, I think it it, it should have been July Fourth because he's had films that like take place on July Fourth previously, um, mm. like Blowout. There's a big like July Fourth scene at the end of the movie, and I don't know. There's like there's a, there's a certain Americana in Brian De Palma films, but it's right. it's you know it's always skeptical of like patriotism. Um, so I, w- I would I wish to see more of that in this film, but I digress. So um, uh, Gary Sinise pulls up to this party in the most absurd like disney ride looking car um like i actually think it was probably on a track there's no way this thing like actually was able to like propel itself like there no i'm way. sure there's a track under this thing it makes absurd little noises like when the door opens uh it's great so yeah he shows up and like we we 
I guess my only other criticism, especially of the opening scene, it's like we do get a lot of exposition speak. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like oh, oh, I forget Gary. What was Gary Sinus's character's name? Uh, Jim. Jim. Yeah, he's like oh, yeah. Jim, you showed up. It's really too bad about what happened to your wife. Like I wish you could have been yeah. here with us, but you know when she got sick and you dropped you dropped out yeah. of the program and you, you took care of her and she wasted away in front of your eyes. Like, okay, we get it. Jesus, yeah. like spread it out a bit sprinkle it in it, a little more naturally. it would have made more sense if like they showed Cheadle maybe like drinking more during the party and like he was like super drunk and saying this mm. but he wasn't even acting drunk it was just like he was like just sincerely yeah. saying these things to him it's like dude you wouldn't keep saying these to him these things to him like I'm sure you've said them to him a thousand times before like you saw yeah, his wife yeah. wasting away in front of him like yep. no maybe don't bring it up right now yeah it's I don't know it it's clunky and it's awkward but it's kind of like okay i get what you're doing we we just want to see cool space shit like just just speed us pa- speed us past the setup basically yeah yeah um uh i will say like the best part about this scene is that it is two tracking shots that are both 3 yeah. minutes long yes um, so one that kind of weaves in and out through the party itself and then mm-hmm. one that's kind of just in the driveway as they wait for jim as yep. Don Cheadle, his son, and his wife wait for Jim, uh, yep. Gary C's character, to pull up, basically. Yeah, there's um, and there are others, kind of tracking shots later on in the movie, but um, like like right off the bat too, we we just like get it, bam, yeah. right in your face. Yeah. It, it's it's cool. Very um, very De Palma, obviously. You know, Snake yep. Eyes starts yep. with a 15 minute one or however yes. long that one is. Yes, um, and I think Snake Eyes is right before this. I think that's his film because he does the Gary Sinise movies back to back, which it's just a bummer that we only got two Gary Sinise BDP films. So, yeah, it's ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it another ninety eight movie that's almost as good but not quite as good as Godzilla. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we we get the setup. We get the idea that um, they're planning a mission to Mars, and um, Don Cheadle is is going to be the first man to set foot on Mars. Uh, Tim Robbins is going to be, I guess, like second in command. He's he's going to be in a space station in between Earth and Mars. Yes, and Garrison is um, he's also going to the space station, but he's the one that like really prepared for the Mars trip. He like. It was his like lifelong dream to be the first one, and it it was his wife getting sick. That's the only reason that he he's not going. He, he wasn't chosen to be the first one, right? Yeah. So, um, and we um we hear that a thousand times. They just keep saying it. Uh, like Tim Robbins says it later, yep. and then we even see home video footage <laughs> of it all. Like, thankfully, yeah. we don't see any like you know teary like oh his wife in like a hospital bed stuff. But we just see like oh they they're do, doing training and like you know they're we're, we're this is a previous party we had for them when they were supposed to go off the first time to mars and stuff like that um but yeah, yeah it's just um i don't know i mean i get it it's like here's a character motivation but it's just i don't know just get me the space stuff get me to space i don't care about gary sneese's dead wife and in keeping with that sentiment, we do go right to space. Like um, after, after Tim Robbins literally praises the virtues of the internal combustion yes. engine, <laughs> furthering his anti anti Elon Musk cred, um, we jump right to space, and it's well, we jump right to space, and we jump right to Mars. Actually, 
it's like a hard cut to the surface of Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. Um, and, and that's a, that's a little bit of that kind of crazy editing I was referring to, but like it works because for these characters, like these astronauts, like the thrill isn't the actual takeoff. It's like being on this other world that they prepared for and doing the work on this other world. And that kind of, this kind of like wonky editing, I think, played to that strength. Yeah, I think more than any Brian De Palma film, this film plays more like an adventure film than it does um, a thriller or any kind of just standard Brian De Palma uh, action fare. Um, You know, and and it's interesting, um, during the barbecue scene, when Don Cheadle is talking with his son, they're talking about reading Treasure Island together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, there's a, the shipwreck of um, uh, Ben Gunn. And then, of course, Cheadle is, well, it, becomes Ben yeah, Gunn, basically. He becomes yeah. Ben Gunn. He, he, he becomes shipwrecked, uh, or, or, yeah, well, shipwrecked uh, on, on Mars. Um, but I think, you know, that, that the exploration of Mars and, and such lends itself to that, that adventure film. Um, which is just really interesting for Brian De Palma. I mean, of course, you know, we get yeah. some of the thriller aspects when they're actually in space and, and when they have to repair their ship. But um, the actual stuff on Mars is is unlike anything else, I think, that Brian De Palma's ever done, really. Yeah. Um, to the best of my recollection, I, I haven't seen too much De Palma, but I would agree with that assessment. Um and like you were saying, the the space stuff that happens between Earth and Mars is is, is more his forte, right? Yeah. Like we we get um, we get a distress call from Don Cheadle. Well, I won't jump ahead too much, but um, it, it it's like tech like things going wrong in a sequence and like ratcheting up tension, and then people responding to the to those subsequent steps of of tension. Right. Exactly. Um. But it's still interesting that like they chose not to do that in you know your 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 standard space uh, you know NASA you know uh, film right language which is you know the blast off and then specifically the reentry right I mean like right. Apollo thirteen the whole final sequence of Apollo thirteen is about the reentry into Earth's atmosphere. Uh, or even more, I think, a closer connection to this movie, like The Martian. Right. Right, like the the Matt Damon movie based on that, that fucking book that was like, <laughs> kind of like written by some STEM dork who posted it on forums and got forum readers to do technical checks of all of his science stuff as he was writing it. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is like a cool experiment, but it's not like fucking literature. Like, like it's right. not like that. that I, I can respect that and I can appreciate that, like, like for for what it is. But it it it's not story. It's it's not like it, it's not like writing a book. It, it it's like crowdsourcing like a, a thought experiment, basically. Which is fine. It's cool. It's just I don't know that I, that movie's kind of like been a bugbear in the back of my mind ever since I saw it. <laughs> Um, oh, you've seen it. it. Okay. I have not yeah, seen Yeah, I, I saw it in theaters. Um, nice. And it, it just contrasts very directly with this movie because it's like, 
a guy gets abandoned on Mars and he has to survive for like a year, basically. He plants potatoes in the Martian soil, he, which is what Don Cheadle does eventually. And like he has to wait for he has to wait for um, the other ship to come so he can blast off and try to meet them. And it's like the the whole movie is like fetishistically obsessed with like the plausibility and practicality of the technical things, um, which has its place. But I I don't know. It, it's it's way too much like this idolatry of STEM, and I've been using that that abbreviation a lot this episode stem stands for for those who don't know science technology engineering and mathematics right which are like which are good which are like obviously we as humans need that shit yeah but um grouping it together like that and, and pushing it as this uh like 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 viable career path and it's like the most viable career path to take it does imply a lot of ideology going on and um the martian is representative of that like like stem in and of itself like not just the means to an end but the end as well whereas this movie has that stuff but it's more it, it's about more than that it, it's about characters and themes as well mm-hmm. yeah you know i think it's kind of um perhaps the um you know the the duality of kind of the sci-fi genre right so you have you know the more hard sci-fi stuff um, that focuses more on, you know, how things would work scientifically um, within, you know, still a somewhat fantasy, sometimes fantasy uh, mm-hmm. landscape, sometimes not. Sometimes it is really just about astronauts going off to, uh, you know, M- Mars, for instance. Um, and then you have the more just outlandish fantastical sci-fi stuff with aliens and you know um stuff that might be more of a character study which is what we have here in mission to mars um because folks yes there are aliens um oh boy are there ever you know Um, but it's it's still i would say there's there's some perhaps hard sci-fi in this movie you know maybe some of the stuff works in real life how it does in this movie i don't know i'm obviously not a scientist but i have i have a really hot take this 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 is equivalent in in sci-fi hardness to star trek gotcha which is to say not very hard yeah (laughs) everyone always says oh like star trek is like science fiction whereas star wars is science fantasy which is true for star wars right but like star trek I haven't seen much Star Trek, but, like, I, I've seen enough. And, like, what I have seen, it's, like, characters interacting and pursuing this humanist ideal. And anytime science bullshit comes up, they'll say, like, oh, the, the trilithium quantum core needs, like, more, needs 10 gigajoules more juice. And that's it. And, like, right. that's not science fiction. That's that's fantasy. But you're just using science-sounding words to, like get around that right right so I mean, like th- they still have like a teleporter right like they, they beam me up scotty stuff like they, like this is obviously not like hard sci-fi here yeah it, it, it's it's very squishy sci-fi yeah, and like I'm, I'm thinking of something like arthur c clark who wrote 2001 a space odyssey like right. the the technical plausibility of projected future technology was integral to the workings of the plot yes in that is inherently sci-fi to me whereas 
I'm not I'm not saying that Star Trek isn't science fiction. It's just a lot softer science fiction than most people give it credit for. I think that's accurate. Um, you know, like you said, Arthur C. Clarke. Um, there's people uh, like Stanislaw Lem. You know, who Asimov, Asimov, who like, yeah, legitimately had like some handle on like actual science and knew what they were writing about. Um, and 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 I think crucially, this is my determination for what makes something sci-fi or not is is um or, or hard sci-fi or not is if the the technical aspects like the the STEM subjects that are brought up in the story, um, crucial like move the plot in some way. Yeah. I think it's accurate. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, because then you, you know, you get stuff like, um, like Star Trek where, yeah, I, they still have phasers and shit. Like, I don't know. It's just like, it's not nothing. I can't think of, I've only seen a few episodes of like different series throughout, but like there's really sure. never anything that seems as if the actual, like, you know, STEM technology matters exactly and it, it's more of like a, a humanist tract almost, yeah which which is good which is and good cool and, and interesting and and i'm not trying to be anti-star trek here um it, it's just different than a hard sci-fi it, it's like it's gene roddenberry's and and gene roddenberry's like fan groupies like interpreting his uh, trekkies uh, human- there is a name for trekkie, them <laughs> uh, trek trek trekkers if you will please <laughs> oh sorry like it's it's like them doing like writing this this um this this tract of like what an egalitarian humanist uh, world could be yeah using using the trappings of sci-fi to tell that story right and then there's George Lucas who just thinks samurais are awesome which like hey there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that like dudes I also rock, think man. samurais are awesome and dudes rock like so I mean space samurai dudes yeah Jimbo great movie yeah. Uh, <laughs> That was the last movie I saw in theaters. That's right. That's right. You saw yeah. it at an Alamo. No, I saw it at Austin Film Society. Even better. Wow. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and now movies are destroyed and the yeah. whole industry is going to implode. That's something to feel proud about, though. Austin mm-hmm. Film Society, Placio Jimbo. Yep. Mine was I'm, I'm... Uh, the um, uh, Birds of Prey movie. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a big... There's a big uh, disparate uh disparity there yeah um but yeah we, we've gotten really far afield here yeah i don't it's <laughs> but this is good this is good content like uh, <laughs> people people come for the meandering uh discourse i guess i think so yeah you so, know and then a lot, not a lot even happens in this movie so like it's not a movie yeah. where, like we would have to do like a big like plot by plot by plot i mean it's like you know, there's barbecue, there's um, the next part we'll get to, and then there's maybe two other sections, and that's kind of it. Like, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a set piece heavy Brian De Palma film, and the set yeah. pieces are all within the second act, and they're all within the, like, second half of the second act. Um, so, in the, I guess, the the transitionary transitionary phase there between the first and second act we get um the uh the expedition to mars itself Mm -hmm. don Cheadle, and then two the two russians um who we meet at the barbecue and then briefly yeah. yeah briefly 
uh, he one guy is he's not so much a wife guy. He says his wives are his wife is a handicap. He says at one point something like that. Um, he's 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 a Russian bot. Yeah, he's a Russian bot. Um, he's Guccifer. Um And then there's uh, the uh, the guy the Kavan Smith guy uh, yes. Nicholas. You uh, uh, me <laughs> Nicholas Kavan Smith who um just wants to get laid at the party he just keeps saying oh, like he's... it's just like it's going to be so lonely in space so we have a russian bot and we have a reply guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like a hundred thousand million miles away it's so lonely but also romantic yeah <laughs> and, like, and he like stares at the girl and she's like please and she walks yeah yeah, he does that twice uh, in, in the barbecue scene. So Don Cheadle, two Russians, uh, this the simp guy, the reply guy, um, they go to Mars and they find this uh, structure. It looks like a mountain, but they're like, There's, this just doesn't make any sense. You know, based on geological patterns, this, this thing makes no sense. So they shoot like radar at it um, and it goes crazy. Um, it has a really creepy sound too. Yes, like leading up to that, like very, very eerie ambient wind noises. Um, it, it really, it's it's not scary, but just very unsettling. Yeah, definitely. Some amazing sound design, definitely. Um, it so some dust starts kicking up and it starts swirling and it makes this gigantic vortex around this mountain and then uh, it comes alive sort of it becomes like this giant like sand tornado worm monster um and it sucks uh two it sucks two of them up it sucks the simp and it sucks the male russian bot the female russian bot gets a rock to the face and she dies Mm -hmm. Um, the other two are spun apart they're like they literally twist inside the the sandworm tornado and then we see uh the reply guy like just get torn into a thousand pieces amazing uh incredible i um i really like this the the vortex the spinning uh tornado it it looks like a dune sandworm yeah um for sure it's it, it it's made up it's composed of like all the the rocks and just like the the debris that's caught up in the in the vortex but then the vortex itself twists and turns like a snake yeah um and it looks very much like a like a sandworm and also um the mountain that they're looking at is revealed to be a giant carved face yes. on the surface of mars it's so good it looks really good it, it's very um like like wide open blank surfaces of like the carved rock or whatever it, it, and it reminded me of like um kind of the weird abstract like 70s and 80s art that would be on dune like classic dune covers right. which, which mm-hmm. furthered that dune um kind of connection in yeah. my mind connecting it to dune as well it reminded me of mobius who worked yeah. with jodorowsky for the yep. dune movie that was never made yep all the concept art yeah yeah just has very much like his style like the, just the, the the curves and like you know a lot of blank space and stuff very very mobius-esque absolutely kind of curves kind of like twisting off into yeah. sharp little points yeah. yeah it was really cool so then we cut back to the space station where Sinise and Robbins are just chilling. Um, they get a distress call from from Don Cheadle. And they're like, oh, we're going to put together a team. Or we're going to go. Um, and I think the only like relevant plot thing here is like Tim Robbins really pushes to bring 
Gary Sinise on his team. Yeah, he wants him in his right chair. I think he keeps saying uh, like co-pilot. Yeah, yeah, I want him to be my co-pilot and um, the uh, uh, Ray Beck character played by Armin Mueller Stahl. He's like, no, he didn't pass the um, you know the the mental evaluation because uh, yeah, he refused to take it. Like <laughs> he's a fucking psycho. He's a psycho. <laughs> with his wife died. Uh, so no, you can't. But then like he just caves. There's really not a lot yeah. of you know. A conflict there he's just like yeah it makes sense you guys are good pilots see you later which i, yeah. I appreciate it i'm just like i don't know fuck it like who fucking cares it's just like get him to yeah, Mars. We, don't, we don't need the contrived drama just like like bring it up but like don't dwell on it yeah because isn't that like one of the main conflicts in the martian like don't they actually like they don't go through nasa don't they like create their own rocket launch oh my god i forgot about nasa part. won't let Donald- them do it <laughs> Yeah, it's it's some weird shit. Donald Glover plays like a 4chan hacker type guy and he's like NASA's secret weapon, but he's like but the the rescue team to go get Matt Damon are like we need like like we we need to get around this bureaucratic like bureaucratic red tape right. bullshit. And so they they get in touch with their their favorite hacker dude on Earth and they're like we need you to triangulate the the path to Mars and Donald Glover's like okay, well I got it. Yeah, we're going to like stick it to the man. We're going to get around it's such bullshit. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, um, after this, it's just like um, six months later, something like that. Um, yeah. It's 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 literally like 170 days later. Yeah. <laughs> we just get that. Um, and that was cool. And we get a, I think probably my favorite shot of the movie in this, in this uh, kind of travel montage part. Um so the the ship that's traveling to mars it's like a long rod just like a like a a a cylinder and then in the middle um like in 2001 and also like something like cowboy bebop there's a giant wheel that spins to create center centrifugal force right so that they can have like a gravity area to walk around in and the camera is in the center of that wheel inside and as the the wheel turns the camera turns with it and it does like a full 360 degree rotation following first one character, then another as they, they walk from like segment to segment and just like go about their routine, eating food, getting supplies or whatever. Um, but it's so like, it's such a cool, innovative shot. Um, yeah. And it, it's like a free floating camera within a free floating ship. It, it just like, I, I, I watched it like twice. I, I wanted to watch it again when I first saw it. It's it's fucking wild. Um yeah. I remember seeing this film um I think when we were in college, actually. It's when I first started going through my um BDP phase. Uh I think I had seen Phantom of the Paradise uh, first actually mm-hmm. and then um just tried to watch all of his stuff. And uh during quarantine now I have a list. I only have seven more BDP films to watch, actually. Hey. So I I'll I'll crank that out in basically a week. Uh <laughs> exactly a week. Yeah, exactly a week. Um but uh yeah, I mean this is like one of those just classic Brian De Palma shots where I don't even like I don't even know how it's done, honestly. I, I you just the man's camera work um is, is incredible. Yeah, and there's a few I don't want to call them lesser examples or like more subtle examples. Like um, I, th- I think the whole ship traveling sequence starts with like the camera out in space and then it rotates yes. and twists as it approaches the window of the cockpit. Yes. And then it's timed perfectly so that when it lands in the cockpit, it's just 
on level with with Robbins and Sinise. Um, they do that a couple different times. Yeah, they do that um, again when uh, Jerry O'Connell's character of Phil is making a, a DNA double helix with oh M&M's. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the Failson character. Phil's the Failson. He's really the Failson. He uh he he looks like Steven Crowder. Um if Steven Crowder was a more wholesome and normal person. Oh yeah, for sure. And not Canadian. And not Canadian. And not a horrible fascist transphobic piece of shit. Um but he he's we get the same kind of zoom in and he he's um constructing a DNA strand, a model of a DNA strand out of Skittles in zero gravity. And he, he's done it with such precision and care that it's rotating. Like, yes. <laughs> accurately. And then Gary Sinise floats up. He's like, what, what the hell are you doing? He's like, this is the DNA strand to my perfect ideal woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sinise knocks a few around. He eats a few. And then he's like, all right, now what is it? And O'Connell says, a frog. It's <laughs> so fucking it's stupid. The way he says it's it. So like, gives this man a fucking Oscar. <laughs> yeah, if um if Steven Crowder was at all an empathetic, indecent person, that is what he would be like, I think. Um But yeah, they they run into some trouble. There's like uh, a stray meteor punctures their hull yeah micro meteor yeah and it, it blows through Steve, not Stephen credo's hand phil's hand yeah that really got me actually that scene so like they're they're doing some kind of test some kind of simulation on this gigantic you know screen kind of like a hologram holodeck screen um he's about to press a button and then like it just explodes and like blood sprays on it yeah it's very random it's very abrupt which is cool which is how like a disaster would happen in space i think yeah and then like Um, the 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 cuts to like his palm and there's like a little micro meteoroid as uh, tim robbins calls it in his hand yeah and then like everything's going crazy there's like a computer ai voice that's telling them like how much atmosphere they're losing um so they have to plug the holes um and this is like i guess the beginning of what is basically two set pieces like back to back yeah it's really interesting so the first set piece is they have to repair the the hole in the ship because um they don't want to lose all their atmosphere um and they do but then it's revealed that it wasn't just one meteor, it was multiple meteors, and that their gas tanks are full of holes and shit. So when they start their approach to Mars and they activate their rockets to get the uh, optimal angle for entry, um, the rockets ignite, and then they ignite the frozen chunk of fuel that was left behind. Yes. And that explosion just completely fucks up their ship. So they have to abandon ship. And this is really cool. They spacewalk out randomly almost into nothing, but they're trying to um, intersect with the trajectory of the, I guess, the ship that 
brought the original colonists to Mars. Yeah, I wasn't really clear on it. It's like it's like a weird satellite thing. I don't know what it was. It's called the Remo. They call it the Remo. Yeah, I, I think what it is is um, the Remo stayed in orbit on the first expedition while the first expedition left Remo there and they took like a, a, a landing craft yeah, down from okay, there. Okay, gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. My, that's my best guess, yeah. I think I've, that um, makes the most sense to me, too, yeah. Yeah. So so they meet up with the Remo, and um, this is a, re- a really tense set piece. Um, they they had tried to time their exit to, like, intersect with the orbit of the Remo, but it's not quite fast enough. Um, and they have, like, a grappling hook gun, and they try to shoot the Remo and, like, hook onto it. Yeah. But that doesn't work because they're too far and all four of them are are together. So we really haven't talked about it very much. Connie Nielsen's character, who's um, uh, Terry, who's Tim Robinson's character, who Tim Robinson's character, his name is Tim Robinson. Um, Which I keep forgetting. That's his name. Woody Blake. What an amazing name. (laughs) But uh, so him and, and, and and Connie Nielsen, um, the, their spouses um so those two plus uh, jerry o'connell plus gary sinise they're all like tethered together and they all of them could not get to the remo in time so uh tim robbins unhooks himself and he's able to grapple uh use this zipline grapple hook um but as he is like pulling himself in and getting closer and closer to the remo um He's going too fast. Yeah, he over he almost overshoots, but he manages to attach the line, but then he isn't able to grab onto the craft, so he bounces out into essentially the void of space. Yeah. Um and that's something that this the sequence does very well. Like space is fucking terrifying. Um there's nothing to touch and you're just floating. And um the, the even though they're like right above Mars like that. I don't know. It's just, there's something about that. Like the, like the, the limited oxygen, the limited fuel of their jetpacks, and like this one chance to hook onto a safe, a safe Harbor, a safe point, And like everything, everything was riding on that. And they had to like get it very exact. Um, it, it, it really sold that sentiment very well. I thought, yeah, it did. I mean, it has everything going for it. It has, you know, they have these meters on their arms, these little yeah, uh, screens yeah. that tell them like how much you know fuel they have left in their little they have these little like jet packs so they can kind of propel themselves along but like it's not meant for space travel you know it's meant for like just like if you're fixing your ship out outside the ship you just can like boost around um right so therein lies the problem for them they have to get you know kind of long stretches um you know across this the void of space but you know, they only have a certain amount of fuel in these, these jet packs. So, um, you know, we get that, we get this little meter that says jet pack fuel. Obviously they only have a certain amount of oxygen as well. Um, it can tell them when like, you know, they're going too far, if they've gone too far away from the craft and whatnot. Um, there's just like a lot of really interesting mechanics to this scene. Um, but I think like, what's the most terrifying about like, just, when Tim Robbins misses the spacecraft and he's just, he's just out there and they realize there's no way to save him. And, and, and the most like terrifying thing about like dying in space 
is that like you know if you die in like a fire like it's going to be fairly quick right it's it's probably terrifying but it's fairly quick yeah. your oxygen depletes and then you burn up and die you know same yeah. thing with like underwater right like you again yeah. you drown uh, it's i'm sure it's terrible from what i've heard it's awful people who like started to drown and then were resuscitated and you know had those eyewitness accounts but like with space it's like it just seems like it could take forever right because then it's like you have oxygen for a certain amount of time in this spaceship or in, in your spacesuit. You just you know you can't do anything about it. Whereas like if you're underwater, you can try and swim. You can try and swim up. If you're in a fire, you can try and escape. Yep. But it's nothing. You can't do anything. You can't move. You can't try yep. and swim away, you know, back to the craft while you're in space. Yep. It doesn't work that way. There's no there's a fucking vacuum. Um you just die. He just dies. I'm thinking of oh God it, I'm doing a lot of Cowboy Bebop with the past few episodes, but like there's there's one sequence where Spike is floating out in space and he he almost floats off into the void, but he pulls out his gun and he shoots it in the opposite direction, and the 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 force the back kick of the force oh, yeah, propels yeah, yeah. him back to the ship. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but yeah, no, like under normal circumstances, like that that shit's terrifying. And um, the three of them get onto the Remo. But we see Tim Robbins. He's kind of just floating above Mars, suspended. Um, they try to save him, but they can't. And they they keep trying. His specifically, his wife keeps trying. Yeah. So he so he he honorably commits suicide. He pulls off his helmet to to spare them the the attempt of like trying to waste time and waste resources trying to get him. Yeah, because his wife specifically, like she's propelling herself closer to him so that she can use the grapple gun. Um, because mm-hmm. he handed it off to them, but it doesn't it doesn't reach actually she shoots it and you think, oh, it's fine. she's gonna get it, but she couldn't go any closer to him it it's like five feet away yeah. from his hand it's it's so oh it's like it's it's such despair because like like we get like a, a profile shot of the t- of the grappling hook going out towards him. And it just stops. Yeah. And he's just like there and they're both floating there and he can't reach it. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, the perspective is just really, it's very Brian De Palma-esque. Um, yeah. It's just like, yeah. you know, these two figures, uh, it's extreme wide shot, these two small figures, the the rope line going towards them. And then, it, it, it you know, from, it's kind of shot from the perspective of, of Tim Robbins, but you can obviously still see his, his little person there at the edge of the screen. Um, and and it just it makes it seem like the the line is like obviously gonna go to him, and then when it snaps back, it's 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 pretty devastating. Um, yeah. And in that profile side shot, the the way it's blocked, um, Mars like like the the vast bulk of Mars and like the horizon line kind of encompasses Tim yes. Robbins. So like he he's he's inside he's in like inside like the bubble of Mars, whereas the the cord trying to reach him is not yeah. which is like so good yeah um but yeah so he he dies he kills himself and then his body just like falls into the atmosphere and you know they don't show it like burn up or anything but i mean that's that's what happens so yeah um so the others they managed to land and we don't see it because we don't need to see that that weird stem bullshit we, we they just land they make their way to the base camp um, and they do run into Don Cheadle who yes. has become Ben Gunn. He's like this wild raving madman. Um, and I'm convinced 
that the author of The Martian, I'm not going to look his name up, but like he at least took this from the movie because like he, he was growing plants mm-hmm. in the Martian soil. Yeah. Um, and he he he's kind of going crazy because of like the low gravity. They say that too. Yeah, they say that it has a, an effect on the brain. Um, this prolonged uh, exposure to this this gravitational field on the planet. Um, yeah, he like he he doesn't think when he finally sees Gary Sinise uh, in in the greenhouse because he has a little greenhouse set up. Like he doesn't think he's real, so he has like a like a mountain climber's like pickaxe. He tries to like kill Gary Sinise with, um, but even that, like, there's really not a lot of tension there. It's just like he tries, and then he sees that he's real, and they're like, "Oh, cool, my friend, uh, <laughs> let's go on this yeah, adventure together." Just... Yeah, they um, they discuss the fa- giant face mountain that they found, and they're like, "There's some bullshit." It's like, "Oh, well, the the music, the the sound that we heard, it was like." It's a code oh and it represents God, yes. uh, a DNA strand. And then I did the XYZ really axis and I uh, separated it all. And then uh, ooh. <laughs> they're trying to they're trying to test us and they want to make sure that we like can we can offer the we can prove that we're human and we can we can send the right frequency that that equates to the missing part of the DNA strand. And they do that. Um, they have a they have a little Mars robot and the, it it can transmit sound. Um, and they shoot the sound at the face mountain and it opens up, um, basically a doorway in the, in the, in the side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is when the, uh, movie is no longer about, uh, <laughs> yes, about anything, <laughs> anything that it previously was at all and <laughs> just changes entirely. It be, it becomes a, a, a lighter and softer 2001 space odyssey. Yeah. Even just the the the, sh- the first shot inside this uh, alien space mountain, um, very two thousand one, like especially the ending of two thousand one, the Space Odyssey, where it's just yes. it's white, it's all white, this bright white um, void. Uh, the, the three astronauts, uh, Connie Nielsen, uh, Sinise, and Cheadle, go in while uh, Jerry O'Connell is in uh, the uh, spacecraft waiting to blast off. Um, with or without them, they have like a, a ticking time bomb thing there where it's like he has to leave at a certain time um, if they don't come back because of, I don't know, reasons. Um, I think because the, the storm, the uh, planet-wide oh, storm yes. they mm-hmm. noticed earlier was, was sweeping in. That's right. Yeah, there's this planet-wide storm that's gigantic. Yeah. We had a cool shot of that too, like a bunch of tornadoes mm-hmm. and stuff. Very apocalyptic yeah. looking. Yeah, and, and inside the, the head mountain... Um, the three of them they're, they're just kind of walking around and hey it's atmos- it's earth atmosphere we can survive without our helmets and then they walk over and then they enter into epcot center's spaceship earth's <laughs> uh waiting lobby yes. where you, the the place where you gather to go in the queue for the line for the, for the for the ride it's amazing um yeah it's state-of-the-art like holographic projection of the solar system and we get a little video that you can watch while you wait in line for the ride um, of of a meteor striking Mars, destroying Mars used to be green yeah. and blue, just like it looked Earth. like Earth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was struck by a giant meteor. 
uh, it turned into the the red dead planet that we know and love. Um, and a bunch of spaceships abandoned the solar system for parts unknown. Like they took off for another galaxy, but one stayed behind and seeded earth with life. And then we get a, something reminiscent of like, like, like an age of empires kind of evolution or, or like Microsoft and Carta encyclopedia, yes. something from like the late nineties, early aughts, like CD ROM visualization of like life evolving yep. into human civilization, yeah. single cell organisms turn yep. into fish, uh, turn into, you know, kind of your, um, lizard fish, uh, walking on, uh, you know, land, uh, turn into crocodiles, turn into dinosaurs, brontosauruses, turn yep. into woolly mammoths after that. Yep. yep. And then yep. buffalo that are being hunted and then, by and humans. Buffalo. And then chased by humans. And then we zoom out a little bit and then we see the, the country, the, the continents covered with lights. And then we zoom out. Oh, right. Cause the, yeah, the, um, the, the, the humans who are chasing the buffalo have like torches. So those, yeah, those torch yes. lights turn into like city lights. It's, it's very much like Spore or SimCity, yeah. like kind of like mac- <laughs> macro macro conception of reality, '90s CD-ROM PC games. Yeah, I, I love, unironically I love, love it so much. I, I do love that. Um, <laughs> it it's like if if you just would have gone to like um, like a museum, an aquarium, and they had an IMAX, right? Like exactly. Yes, it's exactly. an IMAX presentation. I, aquarium IMAX presentation is like the perfect aesthetic for this yeah, shit. It's um and then we see we see an alien. It's amazing. The alien cries. It, we see the alien cry. <laughs> it just walks out. Yeah. And we see Gary Sneeze, he looks over, he's like, "Huh." He's yeah, they're just like, just like, like okay. "Oh, of course. Of course there's just like 12-foot tall alien lady." Yep. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of the um the Camino aliens yeah. mm-hmm. in episode it's two. It's a red Camino alien. Yeah, yeah. A, a red version yeah. of that. But we it, it first walks out when the meteoroid uh, strikes the simulation Mars, and then right. uh, we see uh, the the ships fly out, and then it, it literally, like, there's a single tear that comes down the Martian's eye and cheek. Uh, yep. <laughs> it, it is the Epcot version of the crying Indian commercial. Yeah. Uh, when he sees the Felicia. Um, and then they all hold hands together. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hold hands in a circle. Yeah, around Earth, I think, right? Around the simulation projection yeah, around, of Earth. Yeah, around the simulation of Earth. Um, and then, of course, when it's time to go, uh, Garrison, he stays behind. Yeah, yeah. There's like a there's like the countdown clock is pretty cool. It's just like circles. It looks like like the sonic rings. Mm but they're yes. white as opposed to gold and they're like, just like twirling. The yeah. They're on the floor yeah. and they're just like twirling. Um, and it's like, he says it's a countdown, but like it's, it, it doesn't look like a countdown to me. I wouldn't like, I, I had no idea what it was. Um, but like, it's kind of cool though. It's very like, it's a, an alien ish countdown, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of reminded me of um like the, like the predators countdown and his wrist nuke. Oh yeah. Yeah. Actually like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, "No, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the new world, like my dead wife said, and I'm gonna ascend." Um, it's it's kind of like a. I mean, Rosenbaum says this, but like a Close Encounters, yeah. Um, ascend, like having this lifelong dream and ideal and passion, 
and eventually it pays off and, and you can ascend in that way. But the difference between those two films is that in this film, Gary Sneese genuinely loves his dead wife, but Richard Dreyfus in yes. Close Encounters hates his living wife and children. He hates his family. <laughs> fucking king get the hell out of this reality like, this leave is, them behind <laughs> spielberg has like walked back on that where he's like now that i have a family i wouldn't do that but it's like shut the fuck up spielberg <laughs> i i like that about the dreyfus character a lot i like the dreyfus character i think it's interesting yeah it's, it's no I, I think it's good it, it's, it's basically like a metaphor for like a set like enlightenment like you have to let go of all these earthly attachments yeah. right like you, you, you even even like your relationships, like you have to leave them behind if you if you truly want to be enlightened. Right, right, um, yeah. And then there's uh, the uh, the alien film, uh, the fire in the sky. Have you seen that one? Fire in the sky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one. That's that's the that's the alien it's abduction, an alien abduction one, right? one. Yeah, yeah, that one is just like it's Evil it's horrifying and, and terrible. Yeah, if you're if you yeah. go into space with aliens. But these two yep. versions are like, no, there's these really tall aliens or these really short aliens who are really nice to you. <laughs> and they'll take you on a ride to uh, Magic Kingdom Milky Way, yeah. <laughs> which is where Gary Sinise goes. Yeah. And the three surviving astronauts, they take off um, and then they see the alien spaceship just kind of fly away. And they're like, wow, there he goes happy 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 trails Jim. yeah yeah that's literally like the last the line end. from from don Cheadle is Damn. have a good trip jib <laughs> have a good trip <laughs> and then we jump back into the the morricone score which is great yeah yeah this is an incredible score um it blends like operatic like organ music with like synth yeah and like like a theremin or something mm-hmm. like like organ plus theremin like figure that one out yeah yeah very um very morricone just like batshit instruments or just like normal instruments that just like make batshit noises um right he has this one score for a clint eastwood film a western called uh two two mules for sister sarah and uh i don't know what instrument it is but like it makes like these crazy like donkey braying noises um, and it's like obviously it's just a regular instrument it might be even be a saxophone i have no idea but like it, it's it sounds like an otherworldly donkey um so it's just it's it's very morricone mm-hmm. fucking king that's king. amazing king shit um yeah any workers of note uh yeah so oh, th- this is a good list here i wanted to just highlight some uncredited stunt doubles which like to me seems insane um, yeah. I think I've mentioned this before on, I don't remember which episode, but like the fact that you would like have stunt doubles and then not fucking credit them just seems like evil to me. Um, so if anybody out there is going to make a movie, if, if movies are ever made again, um, just fucking credit your stunt people. Don't be a dick. Um, so we have James Bamford, who was Jerry O'Connell's stunt double, uh, Douglas Chapman, uh, Peter Outerbridge's stunt double, uh, Jim Dunn, another stunt double for Jerry O'Connell. And then we have Marnie Eng, uh, stunts, Trevor Jones, stunt double, didn't say who it was for. And then Owen Wallstrom, another stunt performer. Uh, so yeah, shout all, out. all of these people were uncredited. Like like every single one. Every single of. one. Crazy. 
yeah. you know and it's like this is a, this has to be a film that has a ton of wire work like i can't imagine that's comfortable those harnesses for wire work like i don't know i mean maybe there's some actual like zero g stuff they did too you know like with like um they do it with just shooting a ton of air but i don't i don't know i think it seems like probably a lot of wire work most likely um so yeah yeah kudos yeah and um for our closing thoughts uh who do we have um for broke so for our broke recommendation uh i would recommend this for any new agey astrology leftists out there Hell yeah. um the end of this movie is incredibly new agey yes um it is the platonic ideal of like you know alien contact um aliens seeded earth to create life yeah yeah (laughs) um so if you're into that kind of thing this is definitely the movie for you um yeah you know what i'm i'm a hard atheist i i i was i was one of the new atheists growing up online but like at this point fuck it if you're leftist go go buck wild go crazy get into all that new agey astrology tarot bullshit have at it yeah have good politics right as long as it's like not scientology right because like i think scientologists could also like this movie um oh my god yes yeah don't don't be that just be like a weird crunchy girl a new agey person (laughs) as opposed to that that, please that, that shit's great um and, and tying into that our woke recommendation is for posadists yes <laughs> uh for those of you who don't know posadists posadism is is a meme political ideology uh it, it's very much real um yeah. i forget the guy's first name like john johan posadas i, I want to say jose but i don't think that's right jose, jose posada doesn't his last name right was posadas <laughs> yeah but he he really liked dolphins he he, he wanted to fuck a dolphin and he he th- he wanted to instigate nuclear war yep to essentially <laughs> destroy the major world powers and then basically communism could arise from the ashes um there's a lot of that energy in the in this movie not that i not that i think brenda palma is particularly like a leftist or anything but oh i doubt it yeah just that kind of vibe um i i, I felt it in mission to mars oh yeah for sure uh, Juan Posadas, uh, but that uh, is a pseudonym, I believe. That's great. Of course, it's a pseudonym. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this is uh, big, big Posadas energy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our bespoke recommendation is, you know, if like quarantine is really getting to you, and you don't want to think too much, but you still want to watch like a really fucking cool space movie. Um, but like you don't have the time or energy for 2001 a space odyssey just fucking watch this movie instead Um, like it it checks some of the same boxes um, but it's it's much lighter and it's much easier to digest i would say yeah for sure um a lot of the same like uh extra like intergalactic life and kind of like seeding life on different planets and and humans advancing to the point where they can travel and and make themselves known to their cosmic neighbors in in the the same kind of way like the same kind of psychedelic trippy way at the end yeah 
but like of course you know 2001 it's more like impressionistic and you know you probably have to do more thinking where this movie is just like literally it's just like aliens here it is this movie, <laughs> you, you you get a holographic projection at the ride in disney world and um and you hear gary sinise says they seeded life <laughs> on earth <laughs> like like they, they they hold your hand which sometimes yeah. you need someone to hold your hand like yeah Sometimes you need someone to hold your hand like the Martian does with Gary Sinise. That's right. Exactly. I wonder if in um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, when uh, Bucky goes to the Smithsonian and there's the Captain America um, exhibit, Gary Sinise's voice is over that exhibit. I wonder if that is a reference to this or just a reference to like Lieutenant Dan. I don't know. It's probably Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. But it's a happy accident that it also refers to this. Yeah. This is more like a meta. Hell yeah. Reference. Because it's like, he's not really doing like a narration for a ride, but he's basically doing a narration for a ride or an exhibit. Yes. Yeah. But it's obviously, yeah, it's just like veteran stuff. He's, he does all those commercials for like Golden Corral on their veterans day. What the? Yeah, Gary, Gary Sinise is great. He we one thing I meant to mention that I didn't really in the episode um, here is that he has great like gifted kid burnout energy in yes. this movie. Um, like obviously it's because his wife's dead and he kind of has like that haunted past, but like he also seems kind of a, a beat for all that. And he's just like, yeah, like I've done this shit. I wrote all those, I wrote all those protocols and bullshit, and I can still ride a, I can still drive a spaceship and. Yeah, I've got these dark circles under my eyes, and I'm I'm just oh my here god, his bullshit. eye makeup is incredible. I don't know what the fuck they were doing throughout the whole movie, but I love uh, it. He he just stays up until four a.m. playing Left 4 Dead and watching <laughs> King of the Hill. That's what he does. Yeah, his haircut is similar to your brother's haircut. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. That Shout is out, only going to make sense to me, Nick, and Nick's brother. But yes, <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. Oh god, he's he's a fucking Republican. Yeah, I think he. I thought he was because yeah, he does a bunch of like veteran stuff. But like, I don't know, he just does commercials for veterans. I doubt he actually does anything. Maybe throws some money to like the Wounded Warrior Project, but he he at, at least he's a never Trump Republican. Apparently, oh is he? Okay, bare minimum. He 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 hasn't voted or supported Trump. That's I guess that's good. It's like. Uh, Tim Robbins like, is more of like a leftier left adjacent. He is. Yeah, he he's cool. He um he recently had an interview on Useful Idiots, the show that Matt Taibbi and Katie Helper oh, yeah. have mm-hmm. their own show, which is a good show everyone it is should a good listen show. to. It. Yeah. Um but yeah, he he was re- it, it was like I think it was like their last episode before quarantine. He they interviewed him. Oh, really? That's amazing. Yeah. I'll have to check yeah, it out. He 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 has like a long history of activism and he seems like a cool dude. Well, but, um, that's because of his partner, or his previous partner, Susan Sarandon. Hell yeah, the queen. Yeah. Um, they divorced in 09. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious that, um, you know, I think he got his politics from her. Oh, for sure. Yeah. She Actually, was... I don't think they were ever married. I think they were just in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. Married. Of course, of course, she considers marriage to be a, a bourgeois affectation. Yeah. But that's <laughs> that's great. That's just great. Um, but yeah, folks, Mission to Mars. Uh, watch it. It's um, 
smoke a big fat doobie and and watch this film. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, and to anyone out there saying, wow, guys, to Brian De Palma in two months, um, I don't give a shit. Fuck you. Get used uh, to it. <laughs> and I I have to say, uh, get ready for the next two that we're going to do this year down the pipe. Yeah. We're going to do... And we'll figure it out. I, we could just do a whole Brian De Palma year. Honestly, no. <laughs> we should. We have to space him out. I mean, granted, yeah. he, is, he does have a lot of beloved movies people uh love scarface of course but then his 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 later career is full of movies that people fucking hate so (laughs) also i I always forget this but he was born on september 11th yes yeah i haven't seen blowout i've heard blowout's really good blowout's great yeah it's basically about like uh chapaquatic hell yes oh my yes (laughs) that's real i mean i mean that that's like a beloved movie yeah oh it's great it's a masterpiece we can't do that one when we change this podcast to uh, just a Brian De Palma podcast, we can we, that's allowed. Yeah. But for now, we we can't. He he kind of looks like Felix Biederman, like an older Holy Felix Biederman. Holy shit! I've been trying to figure out who he looks like, and that is exactly who he looks like. <laughs> that's great. Like when Felix is like no longer interested in like working out, and he just like he just yes. becomes like the, the you know video game fail son he really wants to be. He will be Brian De Palma. Yes. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> Oh god! All right. Well, this this is a crazy, wild, meandering episode, much like the movie that we covered. Um, but I will say, the next episode that we have is kind of the apotheosis of this entire show in some ways. Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah. I will say I'm not looking forward to watching this, but oh, I have I am. to. Um, <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am. It's the only one of the series I haven't seen in theaters. So mm, I, w- I wonder what you could be talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we will see you at that time, folks, and uh, take care and take to the stars, I guess. Yeah, we will see you then. Uh, Wash your hands or just wait until the aliens hold your hands and uh, shoot off uh, into the next galaxy. (laughs) That's, That's all I got. Bye. Bye.